G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Pastor Greg Laurie says it's a mistake to think God's forgiveness erases the negative consequences that naturally follow bad decisions. Pastor Greg Laurie says it's a mistake to think God's forgiveness erases the negative consequences that naturally follow bad decisions. Well, God, you know, we'll do things, we'll sin against God, and then we'll say, okay, God, I'm sorry, and we expect everything to do this. It's gone. Just because God forgives you doesn't mean you still won't reap what you sow. This is the day when the lost are found. child who takes money out of our wallet when we've said no, but later apologises. We might forgive them, but they still have to pay that money back. It's still grounded. Today, on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out there are still consequences to our sin even when we've repented, and even when God has forgiven us. Today, a case in point in the Bible, one of Israel's most celebrated kings sinned, adultery and murder. He repented, but still had to pay a high price for his actions. Grab our Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel 11. And I want to talk to you about a man that had to face the music. He's a man you probably know well. One of the most notable characters in the Bible. I'm talking about King David. I'll read verses 1 to 5. And by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The following spring, the time of year when kings go to war... David sent Joab and the Israelite army to destroy the Ammonites. In the process they laid siege to the city of Rabbah, but David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon David got out of bed after taking a nap. He went out on a stroll on the roof of the palace and as he looked out over the city he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was and he was told, oh that's Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. David sent for her. When she came to the palace, he slept with her. Then she returned home. When Bathsheba discovered she was pregnant, she sent a message to inform David. We'll stop there. So David, he's been ruling for a while, 20 years. But now he's around 50. And he's just kind of cruising around on the rooftop, you know, to have a little uh, kind of veranda there, little patio, and he's looking out. And then he sees the beautiful Bathsheba bathing herself, right? Who's that woman of unusual beauty? One of his servants says, that is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Translation, she's not your wife. She's another man's wife. Don't go there. David's like, yeah, whatever. Bring her here now. So she's brought into his chambers. The roadblock was put there. He didn't listen. Okay, now once he 
had sexual relations with her, what should he have done then? Repented of his sin. But no, now he's thinking, I'm going to cover this up. I'm not going to confess it. I'm going to cover it. So he summons Uriah back from the battle. As he's on his way, I wonder what Uriah is thinking. Oh, I can't believe it. I'm so privileged. The king of Israel, the, the sweet psalmist, the man after God's own heart, the giant killer wants to meet me. So he walks into the palace. Oh, kings, good to see you. Yeah, come on over here and sit down and talk. So how's it going out in the battle? Well, we're fighting for the kingdom and yeah, whatever. Hey, listen, um, why don't you go on home and have a nice night with your wife? You know, nod, nod, wink, wink. And uh, to go. Well, that night turns out that Uriah sleeps outside of his house because he doesn't want the luxury of being with his wife while his fellow soldiers are out there fighting this battle. David hears about it. Oh, it's great. I've got a do-gooder. So he brings Uriah back to his table. This time he gets him good and drunk. Now go home, son, and be with your wife. What's wrong with you? Again, Uriah will not do this. So there, there's another roadblock. He should have just said, Lord, this is sin. What am I doing? This is crazy. I repent. No, David sends a note with Uriah, seals it. Give this to um, General Joab. So Uriah goes back to the battle. Here, General Joab, this is from David. Loose paraphrase of the note. Dear Joab, send Uriah to the front of the battle, leading a charge. Have all the other troops fall back. Leave them there alone. Sign David, the man after God's own heart. And that's exactly what happened. Uriah is killed on the field of battle. In effect, David murdered Uriah. He was responsible. So then the news comes back. Oh, Uriah was killed in battle. Oh, isn't that just too bad? Hey, Bathsheba, looks like you're free now. Why don't we get married? Yeah, and it's all great. They get married, and nobody knows about their sin. Well, except God. God knew. And the Bible says your sin will find you out. And David's sin was about to find him out as well. It was going to catch up with him. Enter the prophet Nathan. I love this guy. He's not intimidated by someone in authority. He spoke truth to power. And so the Lord sends in Nathan. So, hey, when Nathan showed up in the king's palace, David paid attention. Though David was powerful, Nathan was the prophet of God. Nathan walks in, uh, Sire, I need to talk to you about a situation in the kingdom. Speak on. Okay, king, here's the deal. Um, there's a guy in your kingdom. He's very wealthy. Has a lot of sheep. Tons of sheep. He had a friend come over and he wanted to serve this guy a leg of lamb. And instead of serving one of his sheep to this guy, he goes to a neighbor who has one lamb. In fact, it's not just a lamb. It's a pet lamb. In fact, they feed the lamb from the table. It's like one of the kids. You know how some people are with dogs today. You know, they feed their dog from the table. They take their dog everywhere. They push their dog in a stroller. Please never do that. Never, ever. Don't. I think it's wrong. The dog needs exercise. And you don't look good when you're doing it. But anyway, this was their pet lamb. They love the lamb. So what does the guy do? He takes the pet lamb of the neighbor, kills it when he had all these other lambs of his own and serves it to his friend. So Nathan says, what should be done to this man? Oh, McDavid's like his blood is boiling. His face probably turned red. He grips the throne. He says, this man should restore four times what he took and this man should be put to death. Put to death? I mean, fourfold, that's legit. That's in the Mosaic Law, but 
You don't usually kill a man for doing something like this. And then Nathan points his finger in David's face and says, you are the man. Or, you the man. <laughs> you are the man. This is what you did. You had all these wives. And you went and took one man's wife, Uriah, Bathsheba, for yourself. And then you had that man killed. You're the man. And then Nathan says, listen, the sword will never depart from your house. David's like, I've sinned. And David repented. And to his credit, let's give him credit where it's due. He repents before God. And God forgives him. But he still has to face repercussions. You see, here's the thing sometimes we forget about. Is that just because God forgives you doesn't mean you still won't reap what you sow. It doesn't mean everything goes away. Let's say, you know, tomorrow morning I decide I'm going to go rob a bank. So I walk in. I rob the bank. I'm arrested immediately. I say, God, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry. And I repent. Will God forgive me? Yes. Will I still go to jail? Yes. Will I go to prison? Most likely. I'm going to reap what I sow. Listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA about the aftermath of David's sin with Bathsheba. It's a message today called, You the Man. Let's continue. Well, God says, I know everything. He literally knows everything. But people try to cover it up. David tried to cover it up. The Bible says, he that covers his sins will not prosper. So David admits it. But now the prophet says, the sword will never pass from your house. What does that mean? That means that he was going to see the repercussions in his own children. And sure enough, that's what happened. David saw his own children repeat his sins. Because he had all these wives and all these kids that were not, you know, they were half brothers and sisters. One of David's son treated his sister as David treated Bathsheba, taking advantage of her sexually. And another of David's sons, Absalom, treated this brother as David treated Uriah, killing him, murdering him. And then Absalom even led a rebellion against his father. I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, as they say. So here's what we don't think about when we sin. Here's a man who says, I'm going to be unfaithful to my wife. And he does it. And then he comes to his wife and asks her to forgive him. And let's say she finds it in her heart to forgive him. He says, dodged a bullet. Yeah, you did. Marriage still going strong. Amen. Praise God for that. Isn't forgiveness great? But here's what the man doesn't think about. His children. Maybe his kids are young, you know, eight, nine years old, whatever. Maybe older. And now fast forward 10 years. And he has a daughter who's promiscuous. And he's saying, oh, honey, you can't be that way. You know, you're a Christian girl. We've raised you in the way that, dad, you did it. True, but. And then we have a son who lies and covers up his sin just like dad did. And then we have these two children grow to be adults. And let's say they go out and repeat the same sin. And then their kids grow up and be adults. And they go on and commit the same sin. You say, what are you talking about, Greg? I'm talking about the sins of the parents being visited on the children. And the Bible warns about it. Now, I don't believe in some generational curse, as some have suggested. Listen, there's no curses on a Christian. Don't worry about that. Jesus took the curse of the law at the cross of Calvary. No one can put a curse or a hex on you. Forget about that. Having said that though, 
there's something called repeated behavior. You commit a sin, it's not surprising when your children commit that sin. Uh, divorced people often come from divorced homes. Alcoholic people often come from alcoholic homes. You get the drift, right? That's what it means when it says the sins are visited upon the children. You say, this is the most depressing sermon I've ever heard. Okay, but let's go right back there again now. And let's change the story. And let's say there was no adultery. Let's say you resisted the temptation and you were faithful to your husband. You were faithful to your wife and you passed these values to your children and then they got those values and they passed those to your grandchildren and they passed it to your great-grandchildren. So just as the sin can be passed, so can that godly example. So think about the big picture when you make those decisions. Okay, yeah, you'll reap it. But let's not stop there because we serve a God of second chances, right? Do you need a second chance? Are you the man? Or are you the woman? <laughs> Has God spoken to you? And just like, whoosh, like a knife in your heart. That's me. Because you've been thinking about it. Maybe you've been taking it to the next place. You've been plotting, sending little texts back and forth. Flirty little texts. Or kind of getting a little too close to that coworker. Or looking at that porn. Or something else. Forget lust and stuff. Let's shift gears. Maybe it's vengeance and anger. But get him. That person. Whatever it is, it's some sin. And God has spoken to you right now. What do you need to do? Repent right now. Repent. There was a woman caught in the act of adultery. She was thrown at the feet of Jesus. He forgave her. And you know what he said? Repent and sin no more. Reminds me of a story of a guy who went to paint a church. He thought, these Christians, what do they know? I can take advantage of them. So he really thinned out the paint. That way he'd make more money, use less paint. So he's at the top of the church. It had a tall steeple, you know, like a country church. And he's doing the finishing touches of his thinned out paint on that steeple. And he's almost done. He's thinking about all the money he's going to take home. Suddenly a bolt of lightning hits the church and he loses his footing. And he's hanging on by a rope. And he hears a voice from heaven say, repaint and thin no more. <laughs> That's a joke, okay? But here's the truth. <laughs> repent and sin no more. Okay, God will forgive you, but now turn your back on it. Do some of you need to do that? You know, there might be some of you who have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life. You don't know right now that if you were to die, you would go to heaven. But Jesus died on that cross for you 2,000 years ago and paid the price for your sin. And if you'll turn from it, He'll forgive you no matter what you've done. But there might be others here or listening that well, they're prodigals. They know what's right. They were raised in the church even. Hey, check it out. David, he was a man of God and he did this. He didn't do this as a non-believer. He did it as a believer. And maybe you're doing something you know is wrong and your conscience has been working overtime and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you and, and this could be your wake-up call. And if you don't hear this wake-up call, I kind of tremble to think of what might be coming next when the ton of bricks comes crashing down on you and you face it in full force, hey, what better time than right now to say, I'm sorry, God, I repent. I'm throwing the brakes on that. 
I'm not going to go there. And if I'm there, I'm going to stop going there and I'm going to go back to where I should be. I'm going to make the appropriate changes right now. If you need to do that, if you need to come to Jesus or come back to Jesus, why don't you do it as we close in prayer? Let's all bow our heads. Father, thank you for your word to us today. Now I pray for any that may not yet know you. Help them to see their need for Jesus Christ and help them to come to you right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer. Now, as you've listened today, you've come to realize that you need to make a change in your relationship with the Lord. Pastor Greg would love to help you right now. As you've been listening to this today, maybe you've heard another voice. By that I mean, yeah, you heard me say a few things, but you heard God's voice speak to you deep in the recesses of your heart. And it suddenly dawned on you, this is what I need. Or to state it more accurately, this is who I need. I need Jesus, and I want Jesus. But maybe you don't know how to make that connection. Let me help you. Pray this after me right now if you want Jesus Christ to come into your life. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, and I am sorry for my sin, and I need your forgiveness right now. Would you come into my heart and my life as Savior as God, as friend, I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for calling me and accepting me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I know that was a relatively short prayer. Maybe you felt something as you prayed it. Maybe you felt nothing. That doesn't really matter because God's word says, These things we write to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It doesn't say, so you may think you have it or you may hope you have it if God's in a good mood. No, that you can know it. And I want you to know, if you pray that prayer in a minute, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come into your life. So congratulations. You're now a Christian. Now continue to follow the Lord. Thanks, Pastor Greg. If you've just prayed those words and you meant them sincerely, know that the Lord has heard you and has forgiven you. And we'd love to send you some resource materials to help you on your new journey. Ask for a new believer's growth packet when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would also love to pray with you. That's 1-800-772-936. Well, next time, something really special. Pastor Greg launches an epic series studying the book of Revelation. Now, what's your first reaction when you hear Revelation? Oh, yeah, I know that book really well. Or, oh, no, that's beyond my grasp. Well, Pastor Greg will help us all understand the book well, beginning next time in a new beginning. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called You to Man. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or go to visionstore.org.au. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 